Philippians chapter 4, we're going to pick up at verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And for those of you who weren't up on Facebook, Ethel had some uh, interesting things she was getting on that. You want to just share that with us, sir? Because a lot of people probably don't uh, go up there and take a look at that. Yeah. I think we'll find that consistent with the rest of the verses that come after this. But he says, in whatever state, and the context here would suggest that first off would be abundance, and the second would be in and lack. Because we're talking about abundance and we're talking about lack when he talks about being in a state of contentment. We'll get more into that here in a minute. But he says here, I have learned, and the Greek word there means to learn, understand, to increase one's knowledge, to learn by inquiry or observation. To learn by inquiry or observation. So he says, I have learned. Again, it's past tense. This is something that you come into a knowledge of, not ginosko. You continue to learn by experience. Ginosko is learned by experience, which is an increasing knowledge as you get you gain more and more knowledge along the way, but this is an, an absolute knowledge. Again, we told you the particular type of aorist, past tense that this is, is the emphasis is on the uh, results, even though it's talking about a past completed action. So I have learned, it is past tense, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I pulled in some other uh, translations for you as well. I've got... Um, where did it go? I believe this is the um, New Century version, even though I didn't put that label on it. I am not telling you this because I need anything. I have learned to be satisfied with the things I have and with everything that happens. There's their, their slant on it. Everything that I have and everything that happens. We cannot have our state of contentment to be in the things that we have or the situations we find ourselves in. So he says here, not that I speak in regard to need. He's not saying that I have a particular need right now. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So contentment, we put in your outline here, is learned. Contentment is learned. The things we, hear, we heard, the things we uh, learned, the things we see, he referred to these things before. Lasting contentment is based on what does not change. If we, if we are having contentment based on feelings, feelings will change. If you have contentment based on the people that are in your life, they may change. You have to have it based on something that does not change, which, of course, is the Word of God. The things we have heard, learned, and see, these are the things we're learning it from. But lasting contentment is based on what does not change. Learn to be self-sufficient based on the, the Word of God in you. We need to learn to be self-sufficient. That the Word of God that's in me is all that I need. You can certainly have other people around you and they can be a benefit for you. But you can't just depend on them. I'll put it to you this way. If you decide that it's in your best interest to pick up an exercise program and you get yourself an exercise buddy and as long as that exercise buddy shows up then you exercise. 
If that exercise buddy doesn't show up, then you don't exercise. Well, that's not a good state to be in. You have to get to a state where you can, uh, that exercise buddy helps you to maybe even do better, but you would, you're fully capable of doing it whether they're there or not. Mm. It's the same thing with, with contentment. Whether you have those things in your life or whether you don't, contentment is still yours. Now, what is it? We put this in your outline for you. What is it the devil wants to steal from believers? The, the, the word or the seed. He's after the seed. He's after the word of God in your life. He does it by first off altering its meaning. He wants to change the meaning so the people come out of there thinking that the word of God means something that it doesn't mean. He wants to change your belief in that word. If you believe that Jesus is the healer, he wants to change that to Jesus is the healer sometimes. He wants to lessen its importance. How many people have you heard? that? Well, I know the Word of God says that, but I don't think that's relevant for today. I don't think that's as important as it once was. He wants to lessen its importance because he's out to steal the seed. If he can steal the seed, if he can steal the Word out of your life, lessen its importance, change your belief in it, or alter its meaning, then ultimately he can make you discontent. Put this in your outline too for your couple of blanks. We don't give based on need. We give because God asked to. He's talking about them giving to his situation. And he says right here in the, in the beginning of this, because before this he said in verse 10, he says, you, uh, you once were very generous and helped me out, but then you didn't have opportunity. Now you have opportunity again and you, you sent help and I appreciate that. He says, but I'm not writing these things based on need. Sometimes we think we give because of need. And, and that's, the, that's the wrong thing to do. You don't give because of need. You give because God said. I remember um, Brother Hagin has shared some of these stories, but so did uh, Brother Keith. He was sharing one. I don't know if you heard this one or, or not, but he, he was at, when he was going to Ramah, and he didn't have much money when he was going to Ramah. And somebody, he was believing God for shoes. He had one pair of shoes, and they were getting kind of wore out. And, but that's all he had to, you, you couldn't wear, at that time, you couldn't wear sneakers and things like that at to, to, uh, to school. You had to wear shoes. That would be nice shoes. They could not be sneakers. So uh, he had one pair of shoes, and so that's what he wore into, into school. He said he was believing God for, for a better pair of shoes. And somebody came up and gave him $50 to go out and buy a pair of shoes, which uh, back in the 80s, you could get a nice pair of shoes for 50 bucks. I guess you still can. I don't know. I don't buy shoes anymore. I buy boots or I buy sneaks. That's about it. <laughs> but uh, but he um, he was pretty convinced. You know, you get get a pretty nice pair of shoes. Well, there was a guest speaker that was out at the the school, and he was up there teaching. And the Lord spoke to him and says, "Give him your fifty bucks." <laughs> and of course, he rebuked that thought. <laughs> and, and no, that's uh, that's not it. And uh, but he kept being hit with this. Give, the, give him the, the $50. I just got that $50. I've been believing God for a new pair of shoes. I just got that $50. I don't want to just give that to, to him. And this came up in his spirit. He said, he is believing God or believing me for a new pair of brown shoes. And so he looked at the shoes that he had and he says, they look better than the ones I'm wearing. <laughs> you can't give based on need. 
you have to give based on what God says. So he finally uh, got to that place where he would do that and he was going to obey. So he, he walked up to him at the end of the service and he said, the spirit of God was dealing with me that you were, you're believing God because he's, he's looking for a way out. <laughs> he's like, he's a, he says uh, that you're believing God for a pair of brown shoes. He figured if he didn't hear right, and then brown shoes, and he'd, uh, he'd uh, reject the whole thing and keep his 50 bucks. And he says, hold on a minute. And he called his wife over. He says, come on over here. Would you repeat to me what you just said? And so he repeated it. And, and his, his wife heard that. He says, you wouldn't believe this, but uh, we were just uh, discussing. I, I don't know if it was sometime in recent history. I forget. It's been a while since I heard the story. Days, weeks. Uh, we were just discussing that we were believing God for money to buy a new pair of brown shoes. And they had said it just like that. So he turned over the, the 50, 50 bucks. But God had said to him before he did that, he said, if you will obey me, you will never lack for shoes. And he said he has never lacked for shoes. And, and I believe somebody came up and, and took him out for a pair of shoes. He got some $250 pair of shoes. I know went up initially or at some point he got some really nice shoes and, um, and God took care of them in, in that way. But he said, if you will obey me, you will never lack for shoes. Don't give based on need. Don't look at people and say, well, I need this more than they do. Anything like that. If God speaks to you and says do something, then you go ahead and do it. So Paul is saying here, you gave. Now, I'm not writing these things to you based on need. I'm not writing to you based because I have a need or don't have a need. And Paul has gone through. He said, I've been without things and I've had things. And I, I know how to do both. In fact, I think that's uh, we haven't quite got to that verse of Scripture just yet. But we will. But God's going to plant that seed in you. You're going to have that seed of the written word. You're going to have that seed of the spoken word. And God's going to speak those things into you. And don't let the enemy steal those things from you. It's important that you hang on to them. Now, I told you before I was going to read these, these to you from the Williams in the Weiss translation. So I managed to remember to bring them over this time. Verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that already once more you let your concern for my welfare blossom into activity again, in which you matter, in which matter you were all along thoughtful, but you never had an opportunity. It is not that I speak as regard as regards a need, for so far as I am concerned, I have come to learn in the circumstances in which I am placed to be independent of these and self sufficient. Let me read to you Williams. That was the, the Weiss translation. This is Williams. I was made very happy as a Christian to have your interest in my welfare revived again after so long because you have always had, that, had the interest but not the opportunity to show it. Not that I refer to any personal want for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. So those are a couple other ways to, to render this. But let's go on. We covered those verses last time. Just wanted to review that. Contentment is important. And we have to learn how to be content, whether we have things or whether we don't, whether our feelings are one way, whether, whatever it might be. He's talking about having abundance. He's talking about having lack. Verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, sometimes we think, well, being born again, being a spirit-filled Christian, uh, we shouldn't have any needs. 
but apparently Paul, who wrote, the, wrote many of the books that we study from, he says, I've learned how to uh, live with abundance and I've learned how to live with a lack. Now you think of some of the stories that he told, if you're shipwrecked or floating around in the, uh, in the water, he says for a day and a half he floated around the water, don't think he was swimming for all that time. If you're in a shipwreck, there's parts of the boat that don't go down and you hang on to one of those and, and uh, float around for a little while. How much of you are submerged, I don't know. But whatever it was, be, was, was he certainly is not having an abundance when you're out there floating on a raft, on a board, or whatever it might be. And so he learned how to... So let me cover this here. I know how to be abased. This is not growing to know, gnosko again, but fullness of knowledge, which is the word oida. And we've talked about that. It is a fullness of knowledge. It is a knowledge that you come into, and it's an absolute knowledge. It's not gnosko, and that is, it is growing. I have... I now... I know how to be abased. I have learned with the full knowledge of how to live without. And I know how to abound. Again, the same word oida is being used there. I have that full knowledge. I know how to live humbly. I know how to be in a low state. Or how when things are difficult. These are some of the translations. That's uh, how they put it. How to live humbly. How to be in a low state. How when things are difficult. And then he says, I know how to abound. Here's uh, two translations for it. Rotherham says, how to have more than enough. Did you know you have to learn how to have more than enough? <laughs> Just think of all those people who won the lottery, mm. what it did to their lives. You have to learn how to operate and having more than enough. Amen. I know how to abound or when things are prosperous. Phillips puts it that way. Now, some of the times when we're looking at these, we can think about, you know, money. Certainly money comes to mind. I have learned how to have, uh, when I have more than enough money, and I've learned how to get along when I don't have any. You can put it to you that way. You could also put in uh, abundance and lack this way. I've learned how to be content when I've had no friends. I've learned how to be content when I've had lots of friends. Or maybe lots of bad friends. Or whatever it might be. Just because you have an abundance doesn't always mean it's good. How about when I have no work as well as when I have too much work? Whatever we, we can do. His idea here is abundance and lack. And most of the time that we become discontent is because I have too much of something I don't want and not enough of something that I do. And so we become discontent. So whatever it is that we can fill in there, that we're having too much of or not enough of. Keep that in mind. In verse 12, the New Century Version puts it this way. I know how to live when I am poor. I know how to live when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of being happy at, a, at any time in anything that happens when I have enough to eat and when I go hungry, when I have more than I need and when I do not have enough. That's the New Century Version for this. Now he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. Everywhere, no matter where it is that you are, and in all things. How often do people think, well, if I just change my scenery, if I just move, if I just go, if I just do this. Every, no matter where you are, your, your contentment, your satisfaction, 
in, in your situation where you are has nothing to do with where you are locally. You can have the same satisfaction where you are as you can going someplace else. Best place to be is where God tells you to be. But the enemy is going to try and get you to be discontent with the location that you are, with the things that you have, with whatever it is that he can get discontentment for, especially if you are in a place that God wants you to be, doing something that God wants you to do. He is going to do everything he can to get you as discontent as possible with that so that you move out of it. That's his role. That's his his goal. And he's going to get you to think that it's God telling you. Because if you thought it was the devil telling you, you'd rebuke it. You wouldn't listen. So he does this with Christians. He gets them to believe that God is telling them to move out of the thing that God told them to move into. And Paul says, I don't, I don't do that. He goes into a place. He gets beat up. He has riots. He doesn't leave until God says to leave and where it is he's supposed to go next. And then he goes over there. And he faces more riots. And he wrote about all these things that he has. You would think that if anybody can be discontent, I mean, that we read over the list uh, sometime recently. I don't know if it was in Wednesday nights or Sunday when it, he talked about all the things, you know, the three shipwrecks and the, uh, the beatings. The um, I think it was a Sunday Sunday series. The uh, beating with rods. I heard Rick Renner on that, that part with the beating with the rods. And I didn't um, remember or uh, whatever it might be on the beating with the rods. The beating with the rods was a unique punishment that was done by the Romans. And it was done in different provinces. What they would do is they didn't take rods and beat you on the body. They actually uh, laid you on your back, put your feet up in the air, and they beat with the rods on your feet. And many times people came out of being beaten with rods on the feet, lame, not able to walk because of the beating that their feet took. So uh, Paul said he had done a couple of times. He's still walking around all over the place. <laughs> he, didn't, uh, he didn't stop. How many times did he say 39 lashes minus one or 40 lashes minus one, however he... He talked about it. That's a terrible punishment to go through. But all these things that he, did, that he went through, we could find reasons to be discontent in our situations. But he, has, he learned how to, how to not. In verse uh, 12, let me read this part again. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Now the word therefore learned is a different word yet. What this word means is to, to initiate, teach, or instruct, to initiate into mysteries. To initiate, teach, or instruct, to initiate into mysteries. It was actually used in some groups. Well, the, I think it was the, the Stoics. They actually initiated people into these groups if they were able to get through this uh, denial of body, of, of the needs of the body, they would be initiated into this. But it's, that's what this word was used for that you would be initiated into something, teach or inst- teaching or instruction. But once you were initiated, you were in. Once you were taught, you were taught. Once you were instructed, you were instructed. It was not a continual, ongoing thing. He says, I have learned the secret, in the New Century Version, I have learned the secret of being happy at any time in any, everything that happens. He learned the secret. Isn't it fun when you learn the secret? You learn a secret of how to do something uh, particularly fast or particularly well. I mean, how many times did, uh, I don't know if you, you, you learn numbers, how many learned how to multiply things by 11 really fast? 
You know, there's, a, there's a shortcut you can do, and you can really impress people if they don't know it. And no matter what the number is, you can multiply it by 11 and, and come up with it. Uh, you don't, we're not talking about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. We're not talking about those. Those are easy. We're talking about two numbers. Any two numbers multiplied by 11, there's a secret way, and you can have the answer in seconds. You don't, you don't, you don't know that one? If you multiply uh, 33 by 11, if you add the, the 3 and the 3 and the 33 together and put that number in the middle, it's the same thing as multiplying it by 11. So I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. It's been a long time since I've done that one. Um, but it's anyway, it's that kind of a, a really fast thing to be, be able to do. Because if you multiply 33 by 10, you get 330, right? You know, just put the zero on the end. So if you uh, just figure in a few more, 33, just add the two numbers, two, uh, the two numbers together, put it in the middle, and that'll work apparently for... Um, I guess any of the numbers that are there. I haven't, can't say that I've gone through all of them, but most of the ones that I tested out, it worked out pretty good. But when you find a secret thing like that, whatever it might be, you add that add in there. Uh, you know, your teachers teach you how to do a secret thing on how to, how to get something solved or how to, how to come about something. It's, uh, it's so much better. I know the secret. And once you learn that secret, once you learn it, you don't unlearn it, do you? I've got, I know how to do this. And once you know how to do it, then you can keep on going on and, and doing it. Well, that's what he says here. I've learned the secret. I've learned it. There's a secret. There's a way. You have to go through. It's not something that you can just, uh, you can just uh, uh, sit down and read a book, I guess, and, and figure this out. There's something that you go through. There's an experience. There's, but once, you, once you've gone through and once you've learned it, you don't unlearn it. It's yours. He says, I've learned this. There's a secret to, to it. And I've learned the secret of how to live life, no matter what state I'm in, to be happy. To be content. You should say that word instead of happy. That's a, that's a little better one. He's been initiated into that group. Boy, wouldn't it be good to be initiated in that group? Now, some people think they are. Just because you're spirit-filled, just because you're born again, does not get you initiated into that group. There's other things you have to go through. So, well, I guess one of the things is you have to go through some lack. Because if you don't go through the lack, then you don't have the uh, ability to, to learn the secret. If you don't have the abundance, you don't have the ability to learn the secret. You've got to have that abundance. You've got to have that lack. Abundance of bad, abundance of good. Lack of bad, lack of good. Whatever it might be, you've got to have those things going on in your life. And once you do... Once you're in them, instead of getting down and depressed, Paul uh, put his, put his um, mind to, I'm going to learn how to be content in these situations. And he learned how to be content. And once he learned it, it's done. It is learned. And then he goes on with, with a verse we're all very familiar with. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes we just pull that verse out of its context and we just want to use that verse on anything that we want to. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is that I take on, if I feel like I can't do it, I just pull this verse out. I can do all things yeah. through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. Now what's interesting here about this <laughs> is that the word can do is not the normal word for do things in the Greek. 
the normal word that you would use to do something is not in this verse at all. What that word there means, I can do, is actually a word for strengthen. I, put, I wrote it down for you in, the, in your outline there for you. But Vines defines it this way, ability and strength. It is ability and strength. I have some other definitions for it too. Avail, can do, be good, might, prevail, be of strength, be whole. Now, here's a couple of places where this word is used in the Bible. Galatians 5 and 6, we're not going to 6.15. It's the same, uh, not the same verse, but the same use there. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. The word avails there is our word. Can do. In other words, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has the strength, has the ability to do anything. It's talking about strength and ability. But faith working through love. James 5 and verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a... It's not that prayer avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man there's the conditions. Avails, accomplishes much. There's the ability in there. Acts chapter 25, verse 7. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many in grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. The word there for could is our same word. In other words, they did not have the ability to prove it. They wanted to, they desired to, they were trying to, but they did not have the ability to do it because everything that they brought out was inconsistent. So it didn't have that ability. So these are three places. It's also used a lot in the Gospels, but I pulled these ones out to give you a a good picture of it. When it says, I can do, it's talking about ability and strength. It says, I have the strength or the ability to accomplish all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, the word there for strengthen is not the normal word dunamis. It is the word dunamis, but it is not the normal word for dunamis. And I believe I put that in your outline for you. And dunamo, to empower, enable, increase in strength, be or make strong. It's to empower. It is, an, it is not just the, the dunamos, the, the, uh, the strength of the power, the in, inherent power. It is the inward ability that is implanted by putting that word in in front of it. So I bro- retranslated it for you this way. <clears throat> so I have the ability, strength to accomplish or do all things because Christ in me empowers me. So I have the ability, the strength or ability to accomplish all things. Not just I can do, I have the strength and ability in me. I have the strength and ability in me. Now just because you have the strength and ability in you doesn't mean you do it. Does it? 
Just because I have the strength and ability to do something does not mean that I do it. There's potential there. The strength or ability is, is, is down on the inside of me. And the reason it's down on the inside of me is because Christ empowers me from the inside. Christ in me empowers me from the inside. So I can do all things through Christ. Why is it we can do all things through Christ? Because Christ is now in us. We're born again. Who strengthens me? Now let's read all of this in the context of it. Let's go back to verse 11 and pull that up on the screen. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the context of what Paul is saying is when I have a situation that is different from how I need it to be, the situation does not stop me from accomplishing what I need to do because regardless of the situation's lack or the situation's abundance, the strength that is on the inside of me is able to accomplish what needs to be done because it is Christ who's in me strengthening me. In other words, I am not strengthened by the things that are around me. I am strengthened by those things that are in me. And as long as you are moved by those things that are around you, as long as you are only content when the things that are around you are the way that you want, this verse does not help you out because this verse is written right after verse 12. Pull up verse 12 again. I know how to be, how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I have learned. I have been initiated into that group that knows how to, regardless of what is going on around me, my contentment is not based on any of that. My contentment is not based on my feelings. My contentment is not based on my satisfaction with abundance or lack. And because I have been initiated into that group of people, I have learned, and it's, all, it's available to anyone, but you've got to learn it. Each one of us has to learn it ourselves because I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you see how you cannot pull that verse out of its context? You must have learned the things that Paul is saying to have learned in order for that verse to have its effect. Because until you have learned what you are supposed to learn, you are still too tied in to situations, to uh, you, your own abilities, your own supply, until you get detached from that and find out how to become content regardless of whether people like you or dislike you. Regardless of people want you to prosper or they want to beat you. Regardless of whatever's going on. 
until you learn how to get that contentment going on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, will not work for you. And we've got to look at this in the context of the things. I mean, I can go out to there and look at, a, look at my truck and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to pick up that truck because Christ strengthens me. How much success will I have? Not much. Is, <laughs> but you see, if we look at this in the context, that won't motivate, this verse won't motivate me to go and try and pick up my truck. What this verse will motivate me to do is that when I am in a situation and it seems like there is a lack all around me, but yet God has said to do this, I can do it. Because I have the inward ability because Christ is in me and has empowered me. Therefore, if God has told me that I need to get this thing done, if God has told me that I need to go to this place, if God has told me to accomplish this call and this purpose, I can do all things through Christ who from the inside empowered, not from the outside. See, what he's talking about is a detachment from the outside. I'm not... I'm not gaining things from the feelings I have from people. From the good things I get from friends, the bad things I get from enemies. I'm not tied into that. What I'm tied into is what's going on in the inside. And see, this goes back to the verses before. When he says, when he's talking about learning from the things that you've heard. Learning from the things that you've seen. When we learn those things, they're down down on the inside of us. I've learned who Christ is. I learned who, uh, what kind of might, what kind of strength Christ has because that's the kind of strength, that's the kind of might that's on the inside of me. And I need to guard against the enemy taking away that seed, taking away that word, lessening that word because if he's able to lessen the word, he lessens my view of who Christ is on the inside of me. If he lessens that view, then... The can-do part here is weakened. Because I don't understand that God can do all these things. We're, we'll be, here's, a, here's a good example of this. Jesus says to the disciples, you feed them. What do they look to? They look to supply. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. We don't have enough availability. Look at where we are. We're out in a deserted place. And what does Jesus say to do? Have them all sit down. What kind of stuff? What do you have? We got a you know, few fish, a few pieces of bread. Have you ever heard Rick Renner talk about this? He uh, this talks about it very descriptive. He says, this is a little boy's lunch and the loaves of bread are actually crackers. And the fish are like sardines, little tiny fish. So we got little tiny fish, little tiny crackers, and we're going to feed all these people. What is this among so many? But you see, the disciples are tied into their, what, is, what their supply is, what kind of things we have available to us. What's Jesus tied into? What's on the inside? Here's another case. Jesus says, let us go to the other side and falls asleep in the boat. And the storm comes. And what do the disciples do? They bail with the water. 
They use their strength. They use their ability to throw the water out. But the water's coming in faster than they can get it out. And so they go down to Jesus. Don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus comes up. Does he grab a bucket and help? No. He goes with what? What's on the inside? And he speaks out of that empowerment that's on the inside. And I can do all things what? I can go to the other side. Because God has said we have a purpose for being on over there. I can feed this multitude of people with this little bit of food because of him who strengthens me. See, he's tied into something different. That's what he's trying to get people to be tied into. Jesus, when he's faced with feeding 5,000 men, their wives and their kids, you never see him become unsettled. What happens to the disciples? Become very unsettled. You need to send them home. We need to, we need to send these people away. We need to have them, have them go. On the boat, Jesus is so very settled, he falls asleep. The disciples, they're not falling asleep. They're trying to get the boat there. They're, they're scared. They're, they're feeling like Jesus doesn't care. They're listening to the accuser who's coming in and accusing Jesus. He doesn't care. He's down there. He's sleeping. You guys are up here doing all the work. <laughs> Mary and Martha are in the house. One decides to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to the words that are taught. And the other one goes into the kitchen. And Martha's in there working and working and working. What's she tied into? How many people we have to feed? How much food I have to get ready? And how little help I'm getting. What's Mary tied into? The words that Jesus is speaking. Jesus didn't come to the house because he wanted food. He came to the house to teach. Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things. Hmm. Can you see the difference in what this verse is saying? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The focus is on the inside. And if we can't get out of this place of being discontent because of what's going on with friendships, what's going on at work, what's going on with our accounts, what's going on with our money, what's going on with our feelings. If we cannot get past that, how are we going to walk in the light of this verse? We're not walking in a way that I can do all things. We're walking in a way that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things because I'm a Christian. I can do all things because I'm serving God. I can do all things because I'm doing what God said to do. And those are, they sound good, but that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse says, I have the ability, the, in, the, the strength to accomplish anything through Christ who from the inside strengthens me. Not from the outside, but from the inside. You don't need people to come, to come over and to do all these things for you. Glory to God when they do. But you can get there because of what's on the inside of you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we have to get outside 
of our feelings. We have to get up past that spot where the devil is able to get us down because people are letting me down because this isn't going quite the way I want it to go. And we get sad. No. See, we haven't tapped into the secret yet. Once you tap into the secret, (laughs) no one can pull you down. Once you tap into the secret, you can get this done. You're going to learn that secret when you're in places of abundance, bad or good. Places of lack, bad or good. And you're going to learn how the strength of God comes through. Remember the verse of Scripture? When I am weak, He is strong. Yeah. Because then I'm not relying on my own ability. And in those kind of times, that's when I can learn the secret that Paul's talking about. That's what I can learn. When I am completely out of the way and I have no ability, that's when I can learn. And once we learn that, it's learned. And we'll go out and I can do all things. We're not just throwing that verse out there, trying to do things, trying to say, we feel tired. I mean, how many times people say this? Say this verse, I'm so tired. I don't think I can go on but that verse just helped me keep on going. I can do all things <laughs> through Christ who strengthens me. And so I found this strength and I just kept... That's not what the verse is talking about. It's not what it means. And as long as you're tapping into that, you have not learned the secret. The secret is still out there for you to learn. But you haven't learned it yet. But it's out there for you to learn. And once you learn it, Oh, my. Once you learn it, people can't get you down. No matter how much they disappoint you, no matter how much supply you don't have, people cannot get you down. Spend some time meditating on Jesus, the life of Jesus, and how this worked through him. I gave you a couple of stories, a little head start. Think about some other ones. And how it is that Jesus was able to step out and to do these particular things. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that this truth is here for us to have. I can do all things through Christ, who in me strengthens me. From the inside, I have the strength and the ability even though everything on the outside of me is telling me you don't have any strength, you don't have any ability. You don't have enough supply. You don't have enough stuff. You don't have enough help. But regardless of what all the things around me are saying, your word has told me this. And if I learn in those times of abundance and in those times of lack to be content, glory to God. I can tap into all that this verse has for me. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.